So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. If you do not have the word, if there's some guys that could grab some off the back and hand them out, raise up your hand. If you got it digitally, go ahead and pull out your phone. But let's get the word of God in front of us, because it doesn't matter what I, so much what I say, it's what God says. We're going to open up the, the book of Joshua, chapter 21. We're going to start in verse 43. Joshua, chapter 21, verse 43. See some new faces out here. It's always exciting. We're going to be talking to a few different groups today. We're going to be talking to the baptized believer. We're going to be talking to the believer that's not baptized with the Spirit. And we're going to be talking to the skeptic this morning. So Joshua chapter 21, verse 43. So the Lord God gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around, according to that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into, the, into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Going on into Joshua 22. Then Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and said... To them, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice and all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days up to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now, the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren, as he promised them. Now, therefore, return and go to your tents, and go to the land of your possessions, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. To love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. So I called today's teaching Our Inheritance. And what we're viewing here in the Old Testament, we're seeing God's original chosen people receiving their inheritance of land. And for those of us that have been walking with the Lord, we know that our inheritance right now is not land. It's the heavenly realm. It's spiritual blessings. So what the Lord has impressed upon me through the scripture to teach and preach and exhort to the body here is embracing that full inheritance. Knowing full well, though, that there is a physical inheritance ahead. Knowing that if we read, if we get the full counsel of Scripture from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-22, we see that there's a spiritual blessing for us now, but we also know that there's a new heaven, a new earth that, it, that God is going to create that we're also going to inherit. But right now, we're not on the other side of eternity. We're right here. So as children of God, some of the questions that were coming to me going through the Word, and I want to present to you as a body are we fully embracing our inheritance of spiritual blessings on this side of eternity that paul rightfully exhorts in, in ephesians 1 that we'll get to here in a moment while we again are patiently waiting for the other side because we know that jesus came to give us life and give it to us abundantly now it's not later but we also know how do we reconcile that 
with the ills that come to us on this side of eternity? How do we reconcile that with the persecutions that we have felt or we feel like maybe we're a little bit shielded from in, in this country? But how do we maintain those heavenly blessings in the midst of the muck? So believer, first to you, do you have the inheritance of the fruits of the Spirit? As I was going through scripture and, and going, okay, hey, here's what God gave this land to this group of people, and we'll get, we're going to get to Joshua here in a moment and kind of do a high-level 250,000-foot flyover of Joshua, and we're going to impress gospel lens on top of that. So with, with that gospel perspective, do we have the fruits of the Spirit? And, and looking at what Paul explains in Galatians 5, those that have received that are born again and are filled with the Lord, filled with the Spirit, is going to have love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Now, who doesn't want that, right? We all do. Regard again, I want to make it clear: those blessings, regardless of our this side of eternity circumstances, whether it's most, a lot of us, I think, have been out of the, the shield, out of the comforts of this f- first world country and have been to Nepal and been to Africa and have been to, Me- I mean, been to different places, e- either on missions or on vacation or just travel and can see that we have a lot of prosperity here, at gifts from God, whether we see those as gifts from God or we want to worship those gifts. That's a whole another part of the conversation we'll get to here in a moment. But most of us know the story of Job in the book of Job in the Old Testament. Here's a guy that was blessed beyond, you know, in the, in the physical realm as well as in the spiritual realm. And without getting, you know, into Job too much here, but he had his health stripped away. He had his family stripped away. He had his business stripped away. He had his health and family. People were dying. And, and yet God had, or Satan told God, Once we, if you let me strip these things away, he's not going to worship you anymore. That's why he's worshiping you, God, is because he's blessed with these things. And then once we go through that book, we see once all those things were stripped away, he knew naked he came in, naked he's going out, and he still gave praise to God. Are we there? Will our faces glow if we're at the stake being burned? Or are we going to complain when it's hot out like I do without air conditioning? (laughs) That alone is a test for me. So again, do we have this inheritance? And Christian, why, why don't we? How, why do we not have consistently living in, abiding in the fruits of the Spirit? One reason I would suggest is perhaps we've disclaimed it or we've refused portions of the inheritance that God desires for us, much like Israel did when they received the inheritance, when they came out of the promised land and they wandered for 40 years, we're going to come back to that in a moment, but have we, have you, have I, have we disclaimed this full inheritance? Your salvation is secure, but have we, are we living just full of the Spirit? And it all depends upon that. All depends in the sense of glory to God, blessing to others, and goodness to us. Again, have we received this inheritance? Knowing that we've secured our eternity with God, brother, sister, but are we living this abundant life that Jesus claimed to give us now? As rightful heirs of this inheritance that God has brought for us, he sent his son behind enemy lines 
to die for our inheritance. Again, now I ask, how do we take full possession of that? Now, I don't know if we have any skeptics in the room, any non-believers that were kind of drug in here or just kind of riding that fence of, I'll take care of eternal things later on, but right now I'm living for now, I'm, I'm worshiping what my flesh desires right now. So skeptic, one thing that I'm, I'm, I think most of us believers in here know is that the science and the Bible both claim that you cannot make something out of nothing, that you can't beget life from non-living material, and you can't make a rock out of nothing. So both make that claim. So the three questions, or maybe I think there's four here, but the first three that I see right here that I would leave you with to ponder through our teaching today as well as when you leave is where are we from? Number two, why are we here? Number three, where are we going? Then I'd ask you, skeptic, that we love. not saying that in a condescending way at all. But I want you to feel the heat a little bit, a little pinprick. But what is your inheritance from your God? The God with a small g. What has he given you today and going to give you when that body stops working and, and that, that energy inside of you goes somewhere? What is your inheritance? Now, why should we accept this inheritance? This inheritance that God has for us. Number one, to glorify God. Two, to be a blessing to others. And part of that blessing is making the eternal truth known to people. We'll call that sharing the gospel with others. And then I'll certainly bring in what I call climactic joy to us. Not joy of the gifts that he's given us in, in the tangible world, but, but the gifts of truly being filled with the Spirit. Now, who are the guides to this inheritance? As we see, as we're going to see here in Joshua, Joshua was a guide. He was a guide that took God's people that Moses, you know, God didn't let Moses do. He had raised up Joshua to take his people the cross of Jordan into the promised land and to receive that inheritance. However, that's just a picture. That happened. That's also a picture of Jesus bringing our eternal inheritance to us. And I also note Paul, as we get into Ephesians, as being a reminder of that, as our guides to receiving this inheritance. And then again, what do we do to obtain and live in this inheritance? Well, as Joshua exhorted to God's people, as we just read, to love, walk, keep, hold, and serve. How do we obtain it? I, for me, and, and what I get from Scripture and my experience in walking with God, to me it starts with what do I delight in? Am I delighting more in going home and watching a little bit of NFL training camp on the NFL network? Am I delighting in that more than I'm delighting in giving praise to the creator that's putting oxygen into my lungs and blood into my veins? Where does my delight start? And the good news for us is that delight it can be of endless power as we're receiving the Holy Spirit on an on a ongoing basis to delight in God. When should we accept this inheritance? Now our days are limited. Tim and I were uh, talking about that a little bit, that, our, that the word reminds us I turned 40 at some point, and Tim turned a certain age, <laughs> and him and I are like, it's a, it, this, those are kind of mile markers that go, you know, we have limited days. So where do we obtain it? Well, we see Jesus, how much time did he spend alone in communion and worship with his father? I'm going to call that the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, or I'm just going to call it the garden for our conversation, or the mountaintop. Where is your garden? Where is your mountaintop? How often are you there 
with extravagant time with the Lord as some brothers and I in the, in the body have been encouraging each other with. Where are we, what does our extravagant time with the Lord look like? We know that God is sovereign to fulfill his promises, and we also know that this scripture clearly indicates there's a healthy tension between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. And, you know, there's people in kind of all these different camps, and our church has worked through this, and as part of our church uh, covenant membership of kind of there's this balance that we none of us can, uh, that I've humbly learned do not have a corner on this is the answer to that perfect tension, but there is God's res- sovereignty and man's responsibility in walking with God. So as we, right now, are, are we're either living in his inheritance or perhaps we're not and we're fretting in our flesh. Are you fretting right now? Because I do a lot. <laughs> I fret a lot. And j- those are during seasons where I'm not in the garden that much or on the mountaintop with that extravagant time with the Lord. And some illustrations I would give with that. First one, just a long season of life with my bride, Brenda. And not to, uh, to keep it simple, for time's sake. We moved out here in 2008 to Central Oregon. Got baptized with the Holy Spirit. Recession came. We had a recession in our personal economy as well in 2008, 2009. Not being completely rooted in with the Lord and maybe it was just good um, wisdom. We moved back to Vancouver, Washington, where we're from. We had a one-year-old son, one on the way and work and all that kind of stuff. But yet we felt like living out here, there's a bigger reason than just living in the pine trees of Lapine, which is dear to me down there, but love it what God has us here. And for seven years, I kept saying, I want to go back. I was looking on Craigslist for jobs and I want to push the doors down to get back. And Brenda patiently just encourage me that if it's the Lord's will he will open the doors there's nothing for us to push down and it will be better than we can even imagine if that's even his will and that door those doors open about four years ago we come out here and I'm still fretting thinking okay we're gonna have another 0809 and we're gonna hightail it back to Vancouver um, but the Lord has provided in, in in big ways in lots of different ways and so I'm just using an example of me fretting and, and my faithful wife just being that undergirding of, of faith through a season of life. I look at Rory on our last trip to Nepal, the bus ride from um, Cybervesi, which is where we're launching into the Himalayas down to Kathmandu. And there's a couple couple others in here that were on that bus trip. And and I just, as a 10 hour bus ride, just for me, it was hell on earth. I, the the bus, just I several times along, you know, you're up at two, two three, 4,000 feet above the valley and straight down cliffs, dirt roads, one lane, going around mountainsides, and you have another bus coming, and, and they're honking at each other, and it sounds a little something like, nur, 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 to let the other bus know that, that it's coming. And I'm, I'm looking, sitting there looking out the window thinking, when we die, is Brenda going to bring the kids out here for, for a memorial or a service, or is she going to come out here by herself? Who's going to watch the kids? I, I'm thinking it several times, and I'm me- and mentally willing this bus to stay on because I have the power to do that. And I never once prayed, I never once prayed on, on that bus. And I look back in the back of the bus, and I see Rory and our guide sitting there sleeping with those, air, you know, those airplane pillows around the neck, and the bus is bouncing around, and they're sitting there sleeping like this, and here I am fretting. And they had the peace that surpasses all understanding in that little goofy circumstance. So again, I just use that as a difference between faithfulness in the Lord and having the peace that surpasses all understanding and enjoying the midst of a storm versus fretting. 
<clears throat> okay, so now we're going to get into our scripture with 29 minutes left to go here. Again, I'm taking Joshua, kind of doing a 250,000 foot survey of Joshua. I wish, I'd love to be able to go through it book by book, but that's, that's not the agenda today. And then taking the gospel lens of it through there. So now that we got the introduction out of the way. And what I have ex- read myself and what I've heard others suggest that Ephesians may be the New Testament cousin of the book of Joshua. Um, inheriting the, the physical um, inheritance for, for, the, uh, for the Israel in the, in the Old Testament and, and then us uh, ex- being explained what the, the heavenly inheritance is for us. And I also want to make it clear that this is not a health and wealth theology, but I do think sometimes it is easy as Christians to it's all, you know, it's all about this, this, the spiritual realm. I and mean, we may forget about there's actually a new heavens and a new earth that we're going to inherit too. That when this side is over and we go there and, and we're going to live in a perfect mix of God's creation. So Joshua, a little bit of background. Most of you are familiar with the name, the story, maybe from your children's church days. Uh, maybe some of you have studied through it, read through it. But kind of big biblical um, background, we know that God called out Abraham, and the whole, his whole goal was to get a, a group of holy people to put them up on a high hill for, for, their, for God's light to shine through to show the rest of the world that there is a glory, glorious, holy creator, almighty creator. And, and Abraham's kind of the first one called out I- I- into that, and Somehow, and he gets to the promised land, and somehow his family ends up in Egypt with Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. We all know a lot of that story. And a lot, I see Egypt, and a lot of people make the argument that they see Egypt as a picture of the heathen life. And that they see the, and t- today maybe we would use that as an illustration of the world today. We live in this, this life that's all not about God, and it's about my flesh. Then God raised up Moses. And God paved the way. Mo- Moses faithfully took the steps, and he admitted some of his shortfalls. And God gave him provisions with Aaron to come along the side of him. Like God led the way, and we see the crossing of the Red Sea into the desert as a picture of being born again. Some people would make the case that it's just kind of that's the the picture of us crossing that Red Sea to being born again. And they go in the desert, and there are so many days walk away from the inheritance, the promised land, and disbelief as the spies go in to kind of scout out the promised land, right? The 12 spies come back, and there's only two that go, yes, there are big people over there, and yes, we look like ants, and yes, there is milk and honey and grapes and this, that, and the other, but God's going to be faithful. He's going to, he is going to take care of those enemies for us. And the other 10, what'd they do? They fretted, <laughs> right, and fearful. So 40, so they, God killed out that whole generation, right? Those, I think, were about 20 and older. They wandered the desert for 40 years. So they're saved or you know those that are of us that are saved that are truly born again are we wandering in that desert right now and i've had many long days and seasons of that myself so again the desert a believer but without full spirit living without the full inheritance the jordan so 40 years later they all die out and you have god did not even let moses cross over right and he raised up Joshua, who was one of those spies, and Caleb, the only two of that generation to cross over and in, in, into the inheritance. So I would suggest, and a, and a lot of others would also suggest, that crossing the Jordan is a picture 
of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then being in the promised land, a picture of the full spirit life. That's where we're at. We're going to finish off our time today. And so a little bit about the book of Joshua. We know it's the sixth book right after the Torah, right right after the law took place, uh, the, the time of the crossing took place around 1406 B.C., a long, long time ago. Joshua, the person, spent a lot of time with Moses, kind of an understudy. Certain translations call Joshua his assistant. Some translations call Joshua his minister, which is a form of a servant to Moses. I mean, imagine how much he, imagine spending 40 years with, you know, with, with Moses. The leadership that, jo- I mean, Joshua, you see this mature guy as we go into Joshua. It's like, wow, he's a you know, he, he loved the Lord, and, and he's a warrior, and, and, and it's like, man, I want to be like that. That took time, right? <laughs> that took lots of time. Some would say Joshua is a type of Jesus, or a better Joshua to, to come, Jesus. He was 85 years old, so for those of us that are numbering our days, we're getting, we're not, those of us that aren't 80 or 85 yet, or those of us that are getting close to it, or there, or maybe even beyond, Joshua started this mission at 85 years old, much like Moses did at, at 80. So as we get into the first section of Joshua, chapters 1 through 5, as they're getting ready, as they're entering the promised land, I'm looking at it as justification, again, being born again, getting ready to go into their inheritance. They came in to the desert, they're getting ready to cross over the the. Uh, the Jordan River, and interestingly, I read, did a little bit of research, that they have reason to believe that the place where they crossed over is in a similar location to where Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, which I think is pretty cool. So in the first section of Joshua 1 through 5, again, this is Israel getting ready, the Old Testament covenant to to inherit their land that God gave to them as a promise to Abraham that his family would have this land and and his family would bless bless the earth. Now, for us, what is what does that mean for us as we are looking at what the gospel lens at this, embracing the spiritual blessings as sons and daughters? Again, going back to all those questions that we were working through earlier, are we embracing our inheritance? And God does give this inher- the spiritual inheritance to all who call on Jesus and are adopted as sons and daughters. And Paul describes this inheritance in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be, God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, and I'm not getting into that today. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Are we finding rest in that? The seasons that I'm going to the garden, the seasons that I'm going to the mountaintop, I'm finding rest in that. The seasons that I'm not, I'm fretting. Section 2 of Joshua, we'll look at chapter 6 to thir- chapter 13, conquering the inheritance. This is where I think we can, we can get a lot of fruit out of this, especially this section here. And I call it sanctification or complete transformation. So we're born again. 
But God says, hey, there's a lot of junk in you. And the good news is we don't have, you know, he's going to tell us here's what not to do, right? But he's going to give us the power to extract that out, to purge that out, to he's going to give us that power. And, and I think one of the mistakes where we end up wandering in the desert is we want to muster up our own boots, right? We want to tighten up that belt, and I can muster I can muster that out. Now, do we need to take heed and go, you know what? I don't sense the power of God right now to help purge this out of me, but I, but I do know that this temptation is right here at the doorstep, <laughs> and um, I'm going to just, you know, live in that temptation and that sin because I don't feel the power of God helping me out with that. That's not right either, right? But, we, but I, my experience and my understanding from Scripture is when we get to that temptation, just like Jesus had, right? Jesus had our temptations, but constantly filled with the Spirit, he never crossed over into sin. How, much, how many times are we crossing over into sin? Because he wants to purge out the evil in us, just as when Joshua and his chosen people crossed over into the promised land, what was their next mission? To purge out the evil in that land. And I think much like you, I, I have a hard time often with, the purging of the land. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like it seems like today's headlines with the different people groups. Um, and I think if we just, without being spirit-filled, and then we just look at this section of scripture, I think, you, yeah, you can make that parallel. But we also know that there's a, there's a full counsel of God, and there's a way to, to, to understand his ways that are not our ways, being spirit-filled, and to see that the, the inhabitants of Canaan, which is a multitude of different people groups. I'm not going to get into all of them today, but often commonly they may be called the Canaanites, which is a lot of different people groups, living much like our country does today. Worshipping sex and murdering babies. That was their God, the pleasure of their flesh. And God knew we need to purge that out, and that was part of the mission. Now, we see examples that purging of God, of Joshua and, and, and Israel letting God lead the way, like into Jericho, and the victory that they had. There's a beautiful story there with Rahab, who some can make the claim is perhaps in the lineage of Jesus, the, the harlot there, but for sake of time, can't get much into that. But then there's also uh, stories in the next battle of Ai or Ai, where it really was just like, all right, we took care of that. Let's strap up our bootstraps, get our spears, and let's go, you know, let, let's go get this done without really seeking God's counsel and, and letting God lead the way. They led their own way and had some failure in that. So again, brother, sister, are we really seeking the Lord in the garden at the mountaintop for him to go ahead, ahead of us and, 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 and cleanse out the evil in us? Which Paul describes a bit in killing of, I, I called it killing the old man, but I think some Bibles have the little section as the new man, <laughs> but killing the old man. So we're looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24, with this inheritance of spiritual blessings, where Paul's exhorting us to renewing of our minds and becoming a new man. And we've got to die to our old self. That our minds need to be renewed to heavenly wisdom to enable us in this world, oh, we need to be renewed, right, to be in this world, but not of it. I remember being first a new young Christian, I wanted to live up in the pine trees, out of this world, I, all the sin around us, but I'm becoming more and more convicted of God wants us in it, but not of it, but we certainly need to have 
be renewed and have his strength and not succumb to it. So in Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, Paul says this. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the inheritance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former, former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Brother and sister, again, I ask, do we want that? Not just little pieces of that along the way. Are we going to hop back and forth over to Jordan? I think we, we want to live in that. We want to be light and salt. We want to, but we need the armor. Our minds renewed, and we're going to get that here kind of in the end, to be able to sustain um, being in the world, but not of it and protecting ourselves. So Rahab, in the midst of that evil society, and most of you are probably familiar with that name, Rahab the harlot. That it, and so where I wanted to share with that story of Rahab is Jericho, the, the um, city of Jericho, they saw and, and heard, or I guess heard what God had been doing to this group of people, right, coming out of Egypt and the miraculous things that, that occurred. And they, they basically smelled the fragrance of Christ. They saw a light shining brightly. They, they um, was brought to our attention that there is, there is an almighty being that is working through these people, and they trembled and they feared. And I'm, I'm hopeful that as we're in on the farm, as we're in the, uh, the shop, as we're in, in the office, as we're at home, as we're in the streets out here, that those around us would tremble because of the fragrance dripping off of you, because of the time you've had in the garden, the time you spent on the mountaintop, that they would tremble to realize there is a life in you that they are lacking, and that trembling is going to divide. It's either going to draw them to the creator in Jesus, right, through Jesus Christ, or it's going to separate them. But are we out there? Are we bland? Are we, when we're going into a new city, are people going, Man, this is, this is scary stuff. The, the power of God is in this group of people, in this person. Now, the last section of Joshua, Joshua 14 through 24, this is where Israel gets a little short period of time to enjoy their inheritance. And by the way, even when they're going through the season of purging out, much like us, at least I'll speak for myself, we don't always purge everything out. We still have that little corner, right? That the room in our soul. We still have those little areas that I'll get to later. And Israel did the same thing. They did not conquer all the people. And, and later on through the story, it's kind of like one of those stories that you've read, right? You're, man, they're, they're going to find rest. They're going to abide. They're going to enjoy. I sure hope the story's different, <laughs> 
beyond that as we get into Judges and, and Samuel and, right? I just, I hope the story's different this time. Just like watching the um, Super Bowl 49, the Seahawks and the Patriots. Second down and on the nine, eight yard line with 34 seconds left. Come on, hand it off to Marshawn Lynch, touchdown, win the Super Bowl. Every time, which is not, I think I've watched it once, at least that fourth quarter, again, you know, since the Super Bowl. I hope it's different this time. But it's not, just like it's not for Israel either. So enjoying their inheritance. Here Joshua exhorts them again as they're going into this to obey and rest. But the challenge with them is they only have their fleshly strength to do it. We have the risen Christ. We have um, the Holy Spirit unending. We have the full story, right? And they have to do this in their, in their fleshly strength without air conditioning as well. So they're set up for failure. Just as, can you imagine Adam and Eve that lived in a perfect creation failed? How much more is a deck stacked against them and us? But we know that the law was never, the purpose behind it was never for full redemption. It was to point to, to point to Jesus. So for us, possessing that inheritance, knowing that Christ is our inheritance, the world touts peace, right? We want peace. We want peace with people we want peace with nations who doesn't want that regardless of uh well i guess we don't all want that but um i would think the majority of the world regardless of their political or religious affiliations ultimately want peace but it's clear that we need peace with god before we can have peace with our spouse before we can have peace with our children before we can have peace with our parents before we can have peace with others and that's part of our inheritance and are we spending that time in the garden? Are we spending that time on the mountaintop? So we're renewed. Are we having that extravagant time with the Lord so we can have that peace that ultimately brings rest? Like we see Paul. I'm reading in Paul in Acts 15 today. He ends up in prison. You know, it's, I'm, again, it's one of those things. I hope he doesn't end up in prison this time. I hope he did. <laughs> you know, it's, I hope it's different, right? But yet the joy that you can glean from Paul in those circumstances, he definitely had the inheritance. So we're getting to that, um, I think some conclusions here, at least the end of this high-level survey. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, as Paul describes a bit of this abiding in, in relationship through our inheritance. Ephesians 2, 14 for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Peace, rest. You know, as we, as our kids are getting older, between the ages of two and ten, I've been talking to some families. But you know, or people, hey, how's your summer going? It's like you know, I can see why, as kids get older and families start to grow, why you look forward to spring breaks and Christmas breaks and summer breaks because the kids get older and they get involved in activities and you know when they're this you know, this little, like the clouds, you know, little ones, it's like, oh, yeah, hey, oh, it's summer break, oh, I didn't realize it, you know, but, 
it's, oh, it's spring break. Oh, wow, why is everyone so excited? Well, it's because it's like, you know, slowing down on all the school activities and, and you guys will be there. <laughs> For those of you who got little kids, it, it does get busier, but we're in a season of, of praying and discerning God's will for our family, what to purge out, what new things to bring on, seeking that, that peace. And if it's, if, it's, if it's up to me and I'm pulling out my spreadsheets and my calendar without seeking God's will, I'm going to destroy that peace. We need peace with the Lord. We need, that amount. We need to know, Lord, what, what, is you, what do you want our calendar to look like? And seeking him daily to live in that so we have the rest, so I don't have to depend on, so we don't have to depend on spring break. Christmas break and summer break to feel rest. We want to have rest through it, and God provides that. So we know at, up to this point that Joshua could only take the people into the promised land and remind them to love God and obey him. Joshua could not empower them or do it for them. So that section in Joshua 22, that beginning, he's talking to two and a half tribes. <laughs> two and a half tribes. Uh, being the Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Why is he telling them to go back, to, to go back on the, so you have the Jordan that runs, I think it runs uh, north, north to south, but I think it actually runs north. Well, that really matters, but, but it, it divides this promised land right out to the Mediterranean Sea, and you have all these boundaries, and, and, and so what had happened was, at some point when they're still wandering the desert, those tribes said, hey, uh, Moses, when, when we're ready to go over there, we want to stay here on the east side of the Jordan, which wasn't the promised land. And Moses is like, why do you, why do you not want to take it, uh, the, the full abundance that God has for you? Well, our wives are kind of nesting in. Finally got some pictures up on the walls. <laughs> our family can relate to that. And the... the um, our gardens are doing well, and, and it's lush over here, and, and we just want to stay here. But we will send our warriors over with, you, with the other tribes. So when we do cross, we'll send our warriors over with, with you guys to battle it out. Once it's conquered, let the warriors come back. And that's where we are in Joshua 22 is Aaron saying, all right, good job, guys. You, you fulfilled your promise. Now go back to on the, you know, on the east side, which they will, willfully did. But they did not get the full inheritance and they were the first tribes that were that were conquered by Babylon and and again is that where we're at do we want the full inheritance that God has to offer or are we going to settle like those two and a half tribes and every now and then maybe go over and get a little little piece of it and then go back to the east side we know that Jesus gives us the promised land of spiritual blessing now and earthly and heavenly blessings to come you know, I th in my different phases of my walk with God, and I'm sure much like yours and others that I've spoken to, sometimes it can be all about not the now, but I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait, right? And, and, I, and we should all be like that. But at the same time, my discernment and exhortation to myself and to, to us is that precious present right now. Yeah, we're going to go through trials. We're going to be persecuted in my, maybe perhaps just minor ways compared to, you know the historical church or what some of the church is going through in different parts of the world but there's a joy to be had in the midst of that and as paul said yes i want to go be with jesus that is great gain but as long as i'm here he's he's got full use of me and jesus gives us the the power and love through the holy spirit to abide in him and to love god more than we can through our failing flesh 
many mornings, many years I've wasted hopping in that car in the morning, going off to work. I want to do my praise and, and, you know, everything in the car. And there's so many distractions, at least there is for me in the car, that I, so many seasons wasted of not spending that extravagant time in the garden or on the mountaintop. And think about it, your relationships with your spouses, with your family, with your children, how much more fruitful would that be if the last 5, 10, 20 years you spent that much more time in the garden or the mountaintop? Lots of wasted time on my side. Yet, I know God's faithful. And I got today, I got tomorrow. Don't want to be boastful about tomorrow, but perhaps tomorrow to be in that garden. So again, Christian, brother, sister, I ask you, and even skeptic, do you have the inheritance promised by God? Do you have from God, through his spirit, through his power, do you have love? Do you have the joy, peace, long-suffering? When, when my dog's barking and I'm in my flesh, I don't have a lot of long-suffering. But if I'm that short there, or if you are like that as well, how much short are we with those that it truly matters with? But God, again, gives us that love and power to be long-suffering. Do we have the kindness, goodness, faithfulness? regardless of this side's circumstances. Have you disclaimed the west side of Jordan? Have you dis disclaimed that inheritance? That's a term of, you know, inheritance is in essence receiving a gift from, a, let's just say, a previous generation. Maybe some of you have received financial inheritances of, you know, from mom, dad, grandma, or others that have passed away, and you know, here, here, here's some money usually, or home, have you disclaimed that? So in the financial world, you can disclaim, oh, I don't want that inheritance. I can, I can not take, even though it's rightfully mine, I can disclaim it and, and let Cousin Joey have it. Now, one um, illustration and maybe one application in this area of disclaiming inheritances came to me as I was going through this is the example of if you were if you found out you went home today and you found out that uh, Aunt Betty died and you had and you had no idea that she had a million bucks in her bank account and you were the rightful heir of that what would you do with that you could receive it or you could disclaim it to cousin Joey I think a lot of Christians may mistakenly say you know what money is the root of all evil I don't want that Money is the root of all evil. So I disclaim it. Don't want that. I'm, I, you know, I'm just going to live, you know, just like this. And then cousin Joey gets the money, and he goes and lives in a debauchery world, and ends up killing himself with it, possibly. That money. But then later on, maybe you realize, you know what, money's not the root of all evil, but the love of it is. And if I had received that inheritance faithfully, then perhaps I could have written, written a check, paid off my bills, no one knowing, no one anything. And then, all right, Lord, here's what's left. It's yours. What do you want me to do with it? What's the faith lifestyle that you have for me? Whatever that is, that's, oh, that's what it is. Okay, then I'm going to, you know, take that little portion. And so I can free up my time to, to be engaged in more ministry, not, not for the pleasures of the flesh, but for, for my care. What is that faith lifestyle, Lord? Oh, and then here's this much more that's left over to give away. So receive that inheritance, brothers and sisters. Again, how much time are you spending in the garden? How much time are you spending on the mountaintop? Now I'm going to, the band wants to make their way up here. 
Now, I want to paraphrase, and I'm making this very clear, Joshua 22, 4 through 5. I wrote on here, <laughs> paraphrased by DJ. So this, this is taking that scripture we've already read, but this is my words, in essence, of, trying, of taking that gospel lens and putting it into what Joshua was uh, exhorting to the uh, children of Israel, the gospel inheritance. And now the Lord your God has given rest to us brothers and sisters, as he has promised. Now therefore, return and go to your garden and mountaintops to be in continuous extravagant abiding with the Trinity, which Jesus the Christ and Lord gave you to live an abundant life now and for eternity. But take careful heed to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit to walk worthy of the Lord's calling, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul. To love, walk, keep, hold, and serve. Again, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And how are we going to get that motivation to get up and go to our gardens tomorrow? And by the way, those gardens might look different for all of us. It, you know, we know it's going to be a combination of God's word, of adoration for the Lord, maybe being out in this creation and, and just seeing his beauty, his fingerprints everywhere. And, and maybe it's singing a hymn. But it, for all of us, it's going to be similar, but maybe the, the piece of artwork looks a little bit different. What is that for you? Be thinking. What does that garden look like for you? What does that mountaintop look like for you? Be there. Go there. Now, once we go out into the world, how are we going to protect ourselves with this inheritance? We'll end on this. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of the wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. 